Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Again, I want to talk to you today about how to decrease fear and increase faith. You know, as I was praying for you this morning about what God uh, would have us do, that you, that I pray that your faith would be increased because let's just be transparent, is that I understand today that fear is real. I mean, we're all facing uh, fear today like you know, we, we've never have faced it before. And what I like to say about that is this, it's okay to feel fear, but it's not okay to live in fear. And that's what I want to tell you, because, you know, when, when we hear things like uh, the coronavirus and, and we see what's going on in all the world, it does create some anxiety in us. But it's okay to have a little anxiety, but don't let your anxiety have you. And that's what we want to talk about today, is because God's Word is, is able to help us through that. So, I want to share this with you today. So how to decrease your fear and increase your faith. I want to start off by a story with Jesus in Mark's gospel. In Mark chapter 5, we find Jesus is actually walking through one of the cities of Jerusalem. And when he's walking through one of these cities, of course, Jesus is pretty popular by this time. There's a man by the name of Jairus who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I really need your help because I need you to come to my house right now because my daughter is sick. And Jairus was actually a guy that was like a, a preacher. He was a synagogue ruler. So he was sort of like a, a preacher kind of guy that, that worked at the synagogues. And so as, as Jesus agreed to go to his house with him, because Jairus had this fear that his daughter was going to die. And so I just want to give you three things today that I think will help us uh, as we begin to face the, the days ahead of us. And that is this, how to decrease my fear and increase my faith. Number one, would you write this down? is stop rehearsing fear and start declaring faith. Stop rehearsing fear and start declaring faith. Now, again, I understand that uh, today there's a lot of people that have never had anxiety that are having it right now. And so it, the, the, the temptation that we have is to panic. But I want you to know that panic doesn't ever help anything. We always make bad decisions when we panic. Matter of fact, I always say fear is a bad decision maker. But what I want you to know is this, is that if you are having those kind of, of thoughts and you're really like really consumed with it, I want to challenge you to do something practical that you can do right now. And that is write it out. I want you to write down what you're most afraid of because just writing it out helps you get it out. And so you're not just thinking about it anymore, and it's not just in your mind, but now you've got it on paper, and it's like it just sort of gets it out of you. I want to challenge you to do that, because when you begin to do that, you stop living in the what if, and that's what happens with us. We start living, what if this happens? What if we don't have enough food? What if, you know, what if this virus spreads? You know, what if we can't work forever? What if we lose our jobs? All those what ifs begin to consume us, and when they do, guess what happens? The what-ifs of tomorrow will rob you of what is today. Let me say that again. The what-ifs of tomorrow will rob you of what is today. 
And so don't let the fear of tomorrow rob you of the joy today. You have your family, you have people around you, or, or maybe, you know, you have friends, you have, you have life. And so we just want to thank God for what is today. And so as we, as we continue in our, uh, this talk about faith, look what the Bible says about Hebrews 11 and 1. It says this, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. And so the Bible declares again that this, our faith is something that we cannot see. And, and, as, and as believers, as Christ followers today, we have a hope that a lot of people don't have because we believe that God is going to take care of us. And we believe that. We, we don't just say it, we believe it. But sometimes you have to declare it to take your faith level up. You know, hope arises when we begin to declare, to declare our faith. And I want to challenge you to do that. Now, what's interesting in this story of Jairus, how that Jesus is actually walk, begins walking with Jairus toward his house. And when he does, the crowds come around him. And they're, they're just, you know, getting in really close because Jesus has a reputation of being the miracle worker. And so people want to get close to him. And they're, they're screaming out stuff, help me with this, help me with that. And Jesus is trying to get to Jairus' house. Well, the crowd is all around it, but there's a woman on the outside of that crowd. And again, in Jesus's day, that was, uh, you know, women actually, you know, were not allowed to be around the men that much in public. And so she was on the peripheral of that crowd. But she had, the Bible says she had an issue herself that she had some form of maybe like cancer that she was bleeding constantly. And she'd done all she could. She'd have been to every doctor she could and there was no answer. And so she thought to herself, she says, if I can just get in and touch Jesus, if I can just touch the edge of his robe, then, then I believe I'll be healed. And so I want you to picture this with me. Jesus is walking along and there's, a, again, a crowd of people that are, the Bible says, pressed up against him. I mean, it's hard for him to move. If you, maybe if you've ever seen like a, a famous person getting a news report or something, they have the, you know, the, the photographers all trying to get around him and the media is trying to gather in close. Well, here she is. She sees Jesus, and she says, if I can just get to him. And so she begins to, sh to say, I'm going to get to him with her determination that I've just got to touch Jesus. And she begins to shoulder her way in, make her way into, into that crowd, like many of you have had to do this week with trying to get toilet paper, right? <laughs> it's been like that. I mean, it's like the crowds are there, and it's like, okay, i gotta get it. I got to go get this because it's not going to be there. That's sort of the way we felt. This lady begins to shoulder her way in through the crowd. And as she shoulders her way through the crowd, finally, I mean, she's doing all she can. She's going high and low and she's just ducking and, and she's uh, getting, pushing her way through. And finally, like a person who has, who has a football and, and they got to get it across the goal line and they reach out to get it across the goal line. So this lady reaches out as she's falling and she touches the edge of Jesus' robe. And as she touches the edge of his robe, the Bible says something happened. It was a miracle. Immediately, the Bible says that she was healed immediately because she touched Jesus. What was amazing was Jesus stopped immediately. And he asked a question, right? He stopped immediately and he asked this question, who touched me? And the people around him were like, what do, you, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? 
There's people all around you. They're bumping up against you all. Ever since we've been walking, they're, they're all around you. What do you mean who touched you? A lot of people have touched you. Jesus said, no. Someone touched me because I felt healing go out of me to them. And then the woman, who again was afraid, because again, in their culture, it was not right for women to, to be out in public like that and, and especially get in front of men. It, it was just not uh, acceptable in her day. And she was afraid, but knowing what had happened, she admitted, she, she stood up and said, it was me, I touched you. And listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to what he said to her. He said this, Mark 5 and 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. You know what's amazing there? Jesus called her daughter. He didn't call her a second-class citizen. He didn't, he didn't, he called her daughter. He loved her. And I want you to know something. Jesus loves you. And he sees you right where you are. It was her faith that triggered the power of God. You say, how do we touch God? Because we need to touch him today, right? I mean, we need to intercede to God right now. How do we touch God? With our faith. When you begin to declare your faith, and you begin to declare it, you know, it decreases your fear, and you declare your faith, then all of a sudden, there's something about you. It's like you're like that woman reaching out and touching Jesus' robe. When your faith is your faith, look what the Bible says again. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this. God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Isn't that great words for the day? Can we just say that again? Right there in your living room, your bedroom, wherever you're watching at right now. I don't know where you are, but, but God does. Would you just say that with me? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Would you say that again? Come on, let's say it again. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Amen. Amen. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So this is what I want you to say. I will not live in fear because I know the Lord is near. That's something that you can teach your family right now. Is that, you know, our children are getting a little anxious. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, your parents are a little anxious. You can begin to say that. You, I will not fear because the Lord is near. I will not fear because the Lord is near. That's what I want you to remember today is that the Lord is near. Now, the second thing I would share with you, how to decrease my fear and increase my faith is number two, is give hope, is give hope. Now, after that incident happened, after that incident happened with, with Jesus and the lady touching his robe, Jesus begins to proceed on to Jairus' house. Notice what happens here. Look what it says. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Now, there's a couple of things I want to share with you about that passage. Number one is this, is that 
people, people have a way of gravitating to bad news. And those people, it seemed like they could not wait to get to him and say, listen, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's too late. And I would tell you this, that right now in our, in our culture and in our situation right now, there is news reels going on all the time. The news cycle 24-7 is all the time. And it's bad news, bad news, bad news. What I want to tell you is what Jesus told Jairus is that you should only consume a little bit of news a day. You cannot keep on consuming all of that bad news and have peace. You just cannot do it. I would challenge you maybe once or twice a day, check in on the news, but outside of that, turn it off because it's impossible for you to have peace when you're constantly consuming the fear cycle. And so I would challenge you to do that. Jesus told him, ignore what they said. And I would tell you that no matter what the world says, God's still in control, amen? He says, do not be afraid, just believe, just believe. And that's what we have, the power of belief. We have hope. You know, God has called us to give hope. And let me just share this with you. When you're sharing hope, when you're giving hope, it's amazing how fear has to leave when you keep sharing hope. You want, you want to have more peace in your life. You want, to have, you want to have less fear. You want to have more faith. Just start sharing hope. Just tell the people around you, I know God's got this. It's going to get better. It may look bad right now, but I know God's got this. He's going to take care of our jobs. He's going to take care of our children. He's going to take care of us. I want to convince you today to please, why don't you begin to share hope? At SEC, we always say this at our church, is that we are hope dealers why don't you begin to deal hope? And one of the ways we do that is through the power of prayer. Look what the Bible says in James. I love this. It says this, a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sin, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Did you hear that? The Bible says that your prayer has power. And one of the things that we do, part of prayer is confession. And I don't know about you, but God's got my attention right now. Does he have yours? And so it's a good time right now to begin to say, God, I confess my sins. But Lord, I believe in you that you're going to do the miracle. There's power in prayer. You see, prayerful people are hope-filled people. Prayerless people are hopeless people. Let me say that again. Prayer-filled people are hopeful people. Prayerless people are hopeless people. Which one are you going to be? I challenge you today. Why don't you become prayerful and hopeful? I'm reminded of, uh, of this acronym that, that I like to share with you that I think has power, especially right now and today that we're living. How do you spell hope? You spell it home of prayer every day. Home of prayer every day. That's how you spell hope. I want to challenge you now I, I, 
thinking about this, you know, Rhonda and I, when our kids were smaller, of course, we, when they were smaller, we would uh, circle up with them and, and have prayer. And, and at night before they go to sleep, we'd, we'd read them a little story and have prayer with them, a Bible story, have prayer with them. And, you know, it's something you just don't really know how that is affecting your children until when uh, we have two children, our, our son's named Tyler and he's the oldest and our daughter's named Caitlin. And, and when Rhonda took them, you know, she'd take them to the pediatrician and the pediatrician would tell them, he'd tell Rhonda, said, you know, either you're going to have, most people have either have a headache problem or a stomach problem. And that was true. Our son had more, he struggled more with headaches and our daughter struggles more with stomach aches. And so when our daughter, she would get sick and it's amazing. I don't know why in the world, but it seemed like your children get sick in the middle of the night, doesn't it? I mean, she would... She would get sick, and when she got sick, it was coming, it, whatever was in her was going to come out of her. And so she would come running down the stairs in the middle of the night, and she would, uh, you know, bust through our bedroom door when she was about seven or eight years old. And, and it seemed like she had a bullseye right there in our room to where she was going to hold everything in until she got there. And as soon as she'd come busting through that door, she'd say, Mama. And, and as soon as she'd say, Mom, it just, it was on right there. I have a weak stomach. That's why I remember so well. But what was amazing was this. The reason I tell you that is because Caitlin got to know the porcelain very well. She would be over the, the, you know, the toilet because she'd be so sick. And Rhonda would be there just being a great mother, just trying to hold her little head and comfort her, you know. And Caitlin would get sick and then she'd start praying. We didn't know that she knew how to pray like this. She would pray. Oh, Jesus, dear Jesus, oh, Jesus, come down and touch me. And oh, Jesus, take this stomach through away. I don't want to throw up anymore, Jesus. And she would pray like that. I mean, just passionate power. And, uh, and, and so much so that where Rhonda couldn't help it. Rhonda would begin to crack a smile because it would be a little bit comical as to how passionate she was praying. She just took her back. And she would do that every time. And one time, Caitlin happened to look up when her mom was just smiling. She said, Mom, this is not funny. I want you to know that you should be praying too. And she'd go back and, oh, dear God, Jesus. <laughs> what I'm telling you, there's power in prayer. It doesn't matter how you pray. When, our, when we learn to pray, God answers. Let me just say this to you. Now is not a time to panic. But it is time to pray. Now is not a time to panic, but it is time to pray. You know what? Somebody said, what should we do? i tell you what we do right now in this day. We have prayer and we have parel. Hallelujah, right? Prayer and parel is what we're practicing right now. Look what the Bible says. Jesus says this. Luke 18 and 27. Jesus said, what is impossible for people is possible with God, with God. I want you to know it is the power of prayer. What is impossible for man, what's impossible for our, for our government is possible with God. Amen, everybody? It's possible. What is it? What's impossible for the world is possible with God. And we believe that God has got this. He's got the whole world in his hands. Amen? Got the little bitty babies in his hand. Remember the song that says that? God's got the whole world in his hands. You know, again, as we said, I will not fear because the Lord is near. 
why don't you just go ahead and say that again? I will not fear because the Lord is near. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to begin family prayer. I know that we're home now more than ever, and, and that's the good part of this, is we get to be together as a family more now. I want to challenge you to lead your family in a family prayer, and I'm going to ask you to do that at 6.30 p.m. You, if you're watching online, uh, there's a connection card there. I just ask you to just check that box on your connection card that you would just go ahead and check that box and say, at 6.30, you're going to take that next step. I'm going to do my very best to gather my family in prayer. And what I like to do is say this, is that first of all, we're with you in this, that you're not by yourself. And that's the, per we're, you're not going to go through this alone. We're with you. And so every night at 6.30, Rhonda and I want to join your family in prayer through our SEC Facebook page live. We're going to do that. We're going to go live Every, every evening at 6.30 to be with you and your family, to lead you in prayer and to pray with you. I hope that you will join us there. Okay, remember we're talking about how to decrease my fear and increase my faith. Number three is this, is realize that we are in this together, that we're in this together. That's the third thing, we're in this together. Remember our story in Mark 5, we said that Jairus and Jesus were walking toward his house. Remember, lots happened. He'd come to talk to Jesus, and they began to go toward his house. His daughter was very sick. The woman with the, with the cancer coming, she interrupts it, and she goes to Jesus. She touches his robe. She, she gets healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? She said, I did. And, and Jesus said, listen, just believe. You're healed, believe. And so at that point, they begin to walk closer to Jairus' home. And they're just about to enter the home. And right before they enter Jairus' home, the people meet them. And they, they're weeping and they're crying and they're, and they're mourning. And, and back in Jesus' day, there were people that were professional mourners. So they had already gathered there and started mourning. And what I want to say is this is that Jesus said some very important words to them. He said, why are you crying? What you think is not so, the, whatever you see is not real. He said, because she's not dead, she's only sleeping. And listen to the world, what the world's response was to Jesus then. Because right now the world says it's ending, but that's not what Jesus says. Look what the Bible says here. It says, they laughed at him in bitter disrespect, but he told them all to leave. And taking the little girl's father and mother and three disciples, he went into the room where she was lying. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, get up, little girl. She was 12 years old, and she jumped up and walked around. Her parents just couldn't get over it. Why did Jesus take them into the room? Why did Jesus take them in the room with him? Why did he take the mother and father and the disciples with him? You know what he was saying? Is that we're in this together. The miracle happens when we come together. And that's what's happening now. You know, in the midst of all that's going on right now, I want you to know the miracle happens when we come together and we stay together. 
And that is exactly what we're going to do as a church at SEC. And those of you that are new that are joining us, we want you to know that we want you to be a part of it as well. And today, that's exactly what's going to happen. We are together. And so I want to challenge you today. Stay together. It reminds me of a, a story that I heard about this guy. As a matter of fact, his name is uh, Bill Frey in his book called Dancing with Hope. Bill says this. Bill says that when he was a little boy, he lived in the country. And he said in order to start the fires there, they had to have something to help get it started. And he said they would go into the country and they would dig up these old pine stumps. He said they would dig those pine stumps up and what they would do is uh, they would take those pine stumps and they would, that had been rotting and decaying, they would take off little pieces of that stump. And what they would do is take that into the fireplace because it become, uh, after the, um, the liquid within the stump had, had cured and dried out, the rosin had dried, it become very flammable. So they would use those pieces of that stump to start their fires. He said one day when he was a little boy, he was outside trying to dig up one of the stumps. And he had taken his ax and his shovel and he had dug around that stump all day. He'd done everything he could to remove that stump. He said, finally, I just got so mad. I got frustrated that I'd been digging, digging around that stump all day. I got so mad, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was so upset. I'd worked on it all day and I couldn't get the stump up. He said, and then my father came home. He said, when my father came home, he said, he'd come out there to where I was. He said, when he did, he said, son, how's it going? He said, dad, I can't get this stump up. I've done everything I can. I can't get the stump out of the ground. I've dug, I've tried to chop it. I can't get it up. It won't come up. And his father said, son, you haven't done everything you can. He said, yes, I have, Dad. And he begins to weep. Dad, I've done everything. I've tried my hardest. I've done everything. And his dad said, no, son, you haven't done everything you can. And he just looks at him as he's weeping. He looks up at his father, and his father says, son, you haven't done everything because you haven't asked me to help. See, there's some of you right now. You haven't done everything either because you haven't asked Jesus to help. Jesus is the life giver. Just as he gave life to that little girl, he gives life to you. And I want to challenge you right now to make that decision. We're going to put up on, our, uh, on your screen right now, it's called a prayer to become a Christ follower. And I want you to pray this prayer with me that you can ask Jesus to help you. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Please help me turn from my sins and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everybody. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to challenge you on that thing we, on the box that says connection card that, that you would open up that connection card and you would just check that box so that we can pray for you.
We want to pray with you this week. We want to send you something that will help you as well. If you will do that, God is working. The next verse on that says, uh, Philippians 2, 4, and 5, look what it says. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, what I want to say this to you again is that we're in this together. We don't know how long this crisis is going to last. We have no idea. But what we do know is that we know that God's got this and that together we're, we're going to be okay together. We are going to connect together like never before. And so there's, there's four things that I want to promise you. I've been the pastor of this church for 25 years. And we have been through a lot of things in those 25 years. I want to tell you, first of all, that I love you. And I want you to know this, that you will not be alone. You will not be alone. I know some of you are, are seniors and, and you're at home. And many some of you have been uh, quarantined from work and you're quarantined from your family and you feel alone. I want you to know, you will not be alone. That's why I'm asking you, please fill out that connection card. Please update it, everyone. Make sure it has your correct email address, your phone contact, so that we can stay connected with you because we are going to stay with you. The second thing I'd like to share with you is this, is that we will keep you spiritually healthy. We say we're going to stay connected because it's one of our core four values. We're going to connect with God and his family. And the second one is that we will grow in God's character. And so we're going to continue to have church online. Thank God that we have the ability to do that. We're going to continue to, matter of fact, next Sunday, we're going to do 9 and 1030 next Sunday. I want, we're going to continue to have our small groups. We can do it uh, online as well. It's amazing what we can do there. And our family ministry with our children and, and, and our students is going to happen. And I want you to stay with me to the end of, end of our time together because Ron and I are going to tell you some very important things about that. The third thing I want you to know is that we're going to do our best to care for you. We're going to do our best to care for you. You say, I have no one. Oh, yes, you do. If you're part of SEC, then you've got a family. And if you're not a part of us, we want you to become a part now. We're going to care for you. And we're going to help you care for others as well. Because we say one of our values is serve God's church, serving God's church, and that's what we're going to do. The last thing I want to share with you is this, is that we will do our best to help you share God's message because the world is seeking God right now. And we want you to be able to share God's message. I just want you to know, I love you so much. And I miss you, miss you being with me today, but thank God I can be with you in your home. Now there's four things that we can do as a church. You see, the church is not a building. We've said that for years and years and years. The church is you, the people. We're the church. And so I want to say there's four things that we can do to help. Again, the first one is help us connect with you. I can't overemphasize about giving us your information so we can stay connected. 
The, third, the second thing I would say is this, is that remember SEC, we're a generous church. And we believe that when we give, people live, and people need life right now more than ever before. They need life right now more than ever before. And I want to ask you to begin to, to sign up online and do online giving. You can go to our website, secview.net, and just click the Give tab. And I just want to tell you, again, SEC's been ahead of this curve because 65% of you already give online. I just want to say thank you so that the work of God can continue to go on and we can continue to help. You know, one thing that we're working on now is a blood drive because there's going to be, there's a shortage. And so we're going to be having that. And, and again, I thank you so much for that. The third thing is this, is that we're going to continue meeting together. And I want you to do it in your small groups. Again, technology allows us to do, uh, do that. And so if you're in a small group, please stay connected to it. And if you're not in one, you want to get in one, then just let us know. You can simply write a note on your connection card or email us. Let us know. And if you'd like to start a group with two or three people, then let us know. We'll, we'll show you how to do that where you can sort of FaceTime each other. And then the last thing is this. Is I need you to have, we believe in serving in God's church. I need your help. We said that we want to, we want to make sure that the people of our church are cared for. And so I'm asking you to help me. I need some people to help me do some care calls. If you would do that, SEC has thousands of people that are connected to our church. And we're asking you to, to help me make some care calls. Rhonda, I, you know, we have been praying every night for yes. our, fam our church family. And that is our number one desire is that we just stay connected. We want you to know you're not alone. Right. And we want, I don't know how, I, you know, this thing is, is, is the f killing me because I can't hug anybody. And, you know, I, I just wish right now that I could just reach out and hug every one of you. And uh, because we just, our hearts are with you right now. Yes. And our, our thoughts are with you. Our, we pray for you daily, interceding for you. And I just want you to know, again, you're not alone. We're with you uh, through this season. And, we're and I want you to know, we're going to get through it. Yes. We are going to get through this together. So I want to pray for us as we uh, get ready to conclude our time together. Listen, if this was helpful to you, why don't you share it with someone else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today because you are powerful. Yes. You're mighty. You're the great God. You are the way maker. You're the miracle worker, oh God. You're the promise keeper. You promised us that you would take care of us. And God, we believe you got this. Oh Lord, the world's still in your hands. And even when we don't see it, we know you're working. And even when we don't feel it, we know you're working, oh God. No matter what we feel or what we see, we believe that you're at work, oh God. And we just thank you, Father, that you are going to take care of this. And you're going to bring us through, oh God. And we're going to be stronger than ever before, oh Lord. And we are going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to the world. And we're going to let everybody know that what you have done for us, oh God, Thank you so much, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 God bless you, everybody. We love you. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, 
That's sccview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.